thank you for choosing iChurch Sermon Podcast. We invite you to get ready, get ready, get ready for what God has to say to you today. So, um, but it, I wanted to relate it to the end of this series called At the Table. For those that weren't joining us at the beginning, we're talking about the importance of having the family at the table. And today I want to talk to you about Thanksgiving. I want to talk to you about at the ta- being at the table. And I want to talk to you about something even greater than that, and it's your life. And for that, what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite you into Carlos's kitchen. What is Carlos's kitchen? Watch the screen. It's Carlos's kitchen. Dim the lights, please. Welcome to Carlos's kitchen. I'm so glad you're able to enjoy it, to be with us today. Now, we're here at the table at the end of the series, and I want to talk about, you know, what's left over at the table when you finish Thanksgiving. Now, I just finished, right? So you have all these ingredients in your kitchen, and you want to do something with everything that's left over. So you take all the ingredients and you got to be careful how you mix them. For example, if I do this, I grab a little bit of milk and I grab some dulce de leche ice cream and I grab some bananas left over and I grab some condensed milk and I grab a little bit of Cool Whip or Chantilly and last, just top it off. I grab them all, mix them together, all the ingredients mixed together, the right ingredients might actually make something that's actually pretty delicious. Now if I took that same, if I take the same concept and now grab different ingredients, for example, just leftover ingredients that were left over at the table, that came to your table. For example, let's say some potato salad. And we grab some leftover turkey. And we grab some peppers. And we grab some salami. And let's just say we grabbed a little bit of leftover beans and toss them in there. And once you take all those ingredients, even if you try to put some good things into them, like saying, well, let's pray. And you, and you grab all these ingredients and you put them together. And you drank some of it. Well, not going that far. Just watch the rest of the series because what you put into your ingredients when you eat something makes a big difference, doesn't it? What ingredients are in your life? Okay, so here's the question. Here's the question. What ingredients are in your life? You know, I was gagging, and I'm not making believe. I didn't intend that. My daughters are watching me as I'm doing it. They're standing there saying, you're crazy. And one was saying, he'll drink it. He'll drink it. He's crazy. He'll drink it. And it was smelling so nasty as I was making. It was just twirling my stomach around. And think about it. Would Would you drink that second shake? Would you drink it? You know, and it just, you, you wouldn't even think about it, right? And here's my question to you. We're very careful with what ingredients we put in to the shake. Are you as careful with what ingredients you put into your life? What surrounds you? I want to show you something. I want to show you something on screen. You know, we are, I am, me, me, when I am, I am the average. And this is not yo, like yo people. It's like, it's yo in Spanish, okay, because I have a Spanish service afterwards. So it's me and yo. I am, and there's a given fact, I am the average of the five things that surround me. That's what you are. 
You are the average of the five things that surround you. Look at what things pour into your life. I want you to think about what things pour into your life. Okay, there's this author called Jim Ron, and Jim Ron is an author, um, he's a motivational speaker, he passed away, and he was a very good one by that, by the way, very poor, humble man that grew and became very successful and very rich, and he, he, he would say that if you wanted to know what a, where, why you are the way you are, you would look at the five people that surround you, and the five people that surround you, if you look at their flaws and their good things, they tell you who you are, so if you're around somebody who's very nasty speaking, and you're always around this person who's always cussing, and most likely you'll cuss. If you're around this person that's most like, that's, if you're around somebody who's very cheerful, then you're most likely cheerful. If you're around somebody most like, and then you're constantly surrounded by somebody who's crying all the time, even if you're not a crier, you'll become sentimental. You know, you'll become sentimental. I have a perfect example of that because that's a good case of a couple we have in our church called Cindy Cates and Wayne Cates. Wayne does our sound. Cindy cries for everything. And Wayne is like the most rugged, eat my hamburger off the floor type of guy. And... <laughs> But here's the thing, nobody knows this. Wayne is, a, Wayne is like a teddy bear. He's like a teddy bear. It's all, it's all, it's all on the outside. He's the, he seems all rough and tough, and he's like the sweetest guy. And it's because Cindy's in his life. So she pours into him this. If Cindy was not part of his life, yeah, there you go. There you go. Okay, so you look at the, look at the five people. Around you. If you have intellectual people surrounding you, if you have people that challenge you biblically, that's what's going to be in you. So you're the average of the five people around you. Let me, look, let me show you how that works in people, for example. And here's the danger about it, because everybody will work in your life. I, I just pick names randomly here, okay? Just pick names randomly. Actually, I made sure all names would go both in English and Spanish, is what I did. But, but let's say these are the five people that surround me, Joe, Chris, Jenny, Mike, and George. Here's what happened. They are all an average. They'll make the average of who I am. But what you need to understand, even though Jim Rohn's right in that, I disagree with him on another area. What is it? I believe some people pull more influence into your life than others. Think about it. Some people cause a higher influence in your life than others. For example, I don't think that Wayne does as much influence in my life. Or let me mention somebody in my life who's always around me. I always have Pastor Chu around me. He's always around me. You know, and I don't think he does as much influence as my wife does in me. So my wife does a bigger portion. So when you do that, I want you to think about the five people that surround you in your life. I want you to think about the five people that mostly surround, that you spend most time with, that you're around most of. And I want you to think about how much they pour into your life. I want you to think about how much that person influences your life. And for example, if Joe, Joe could push as much as 54% of my life and Chris could influence 21% of my life. So what I need to understand is not just who do I spend the most time with, but who do I listen to most? Who, who speaks to me? And you're like, Pastor, I work with this guy, but he doesn't influence in me that much. He doesn't. Listen to this. I'm going to change that concept of Jim Rohn. I'm going to make it a Carlos concept. And here's a Carlos concept. The five people to a whole different atmosphere. I changed you from a whole different atmosphere. And I put another group of five people around you. I guarantee you, you will change. If you say, Pastor, that's not true. Listen, to somebody who's traveled so many places and been to so many countries, I guarantee you. I've lived in places that I went, and when I got there, my whole atmosphere changed. I just went through one of the biggest changes of atmosphere in all my life. We did, a, we did a weekly shutdown, and for a whole week, I did not come to church. I did not counsel. I did not visit. I did not do for a whole week. I did a shutdown. I haven't done that in 24 years of ministry. In 24 years of ministry, I've never, never, ever, I've shut down the church for three days, but I've never disconnected. First time in 24 years, and who did that? You guys caused that influence on me. 
The influence came to my life. Moving here made me reanalyze and say, man, I got to make sure that God in my life is not just activity, but it is a relationship. And I have to make sure that I spend time with my family as much as I do with anything else. Because I'm a workaholic. That's my sin. I'm a workaholic. You may be an alcoholic. You may be a drug addict. You may be a cursor. You may be a liar. You may be mine. I'm a workaholic. And you're like, Pastor, that's not a sin. <laughs> Believe me, you can make it a sin. It almost destroyed my marriage once. It almost took my marriage to pieces. I was such a workaholic. I know how to work 12. On an average, I work 12 to 14 hours a day. If I'm lucky and they get to pull me away, maybe I'll work 10. But I always work 12 to 14 hours a day. I've known how to work 18 hours straight through. And I know how to go to sleep for three or four hours, come back and work 18 hours again. I've known how to travel and leave and never come back because I'm working on the road. And now God has been changing me and molding me to not be that man and dedicate time. So this week I I was with my family. I sat there. I I, I cultivated that. I I sat down and I acknowledged it and I spent time knowing that. But it was the influence of the people that were around me. I have people around me like Bruce Schranz. I have people around me like Sheldon Mellon. And they sit with me and each one influences me on a certain level. You know, today Pastor Chu is one of our pastors in the church. He won't be in church today. He'll do something that I think is, a, is terrible, but he'll, he did it. I literally asked him to miss church. You're like, what? I literally asked him to miss church. You asked the pastor to miss church? Yes. I told him, you need to spend time with your wife and your kids. You need to go on vacation. You need to be away. And he sat there and looked at me. And he looked around. He's been with me for like 18 years. He looked around. And he said, is this a joke? Like, no, I'm serious. I want you to take your wife and your kids, and I want you to go away, and I want you to spend one weekend away from church. And he's like, he's like but why? And I said, he says, what do I do? I said, if you don't know what to do, that proves how sick we are, bro. <laughs> that proves how sick we are. You and I are sick. Now, now don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, I don't want everybody to miss church next week and say, well, Pastor Carl said it. Yeah. He said, I'm not going to church either. No, no. What I'm saying is that in our case, we're here 52 weeks a year, and we don't miss a Sunday. We never miss it. And we're here for, for four services. And I told him, you need to create a difference. Because church speaks about family, but we don't ask people to invest in family. We do it backwards. You know? We don't create a balance. So, so the people around you cause an influence on you and it happens to me. But here's something I want to switch on you. It's not just the people that surround you. I'm going to go deeper. Okay? It's not just the people that surround you. It's the people that surround you and the atmosphere that surrounds you. Here, look at this. I'm going to show you five Five pivotal points that most of you can use. Now, yours may change a little. This is just an example. These are five, five different pivotal points. Your family, on the side, it's a little more clear, okay? Dim the lights a little for me up here. Your, your family, okay, your church, your work or your school, however it may be, the community or your social life, and your relatives, okay? These are, these are the ones that, Marius, if you could drop this one a little, I'd appreciate it. These are the ones, these are the five areas that mostly influence in your life. Five areas. Now, yours may be different. You may have another one that's not up there, and it may be international experiences because you travel a lot. It may be whatever it is. You may say, Pastor, now I want you to do something. I want you to think about these five circles around you. Now, these are you, and these are your five circles. And I want you to think about this for a second. Think about the people that are in each of these circles. Who are the people in your family you relate to? When I say family, I mean immediate family. Pastor, aren't family and relatives the same thing? No, they're different because family are the people you live with in your house. You may have a cousin living with you, and that becomes your immediate family. Your family sometimes is composed of a friend, two people that live together, and they're friends. 
and they're roommates, and that becomes your immediate family. See, now you have relatives. Those are the people that are related to you, but they don't live under your roof, okay? And these are the people that tend to cause influence in you. For example, these are the people that tend to cause influence in me, okay? And I want you to think about the person in your family, three people in your family that you most relate to. Because you could be living at home, but you barely talk to your mom or your dad. You could be living at home, and you barely talk to your son. It may be you talk to your wife all day. You know, I was with my neighbor yesterday, and she came over to say hello, and it was really sad because she came over and said, hey, how's your husband doing? Because he walks out, and this guy never says hi to me. Never, never, never. I moved there from the day I moved there. She's so sweet, but I talked to him. I got all my neighbors. We got along. He, he comes out, and I see him. I go, hey, what's up, Mr. Falk? He goes, and he walks away. Every time. I've tried everything, man. I've tried. I, I've gone over. Hey, you want me to cut your lawn? You want me to? I, I, I mean, you name it. I'm trying to, I can't win the guy over. He just won't. He will not talk to me. There's nothing. And then the other day he came up and um, the light, the power went out in the whole neighborhood. And he came up to my house. And I was in the backyard picking up leaves. And he said, he said, and I, and I, and I turned to him and said, hey, how you doing? He walked away from me. I'm like, the only time he talked to me, I didn't understand what he said. So, that, so now I'm walking behind him. Hey, wait, 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 wait. what did you say? Did, did, and then he finally repeated, did the light go out? Did you lose your power? I said, yeah, yeah, I think, I don't know, hold on. Hey, did we lose our power? Like, yeah. I said, yeah, yeah, the whole neighborhood lost the power. The power shot down for the neighborhood. He's like, he's like oh, 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 okay. I said, so how you doing? He went, and he walked away. He walked away. He walked. Listen to this, listen to this, guys, listen to this. Influence, influence of the people that surround you. Yesterday, I'm in my yard, and we're putting up our Christmas decorations, and, and, and Miss Falk walks up. She's the sweetest person in the world. I love that lady. She walks up, and I ask her, how's your husband doing? Because he had had some heart surgery or some heart problem. He says, oh, um, he has very advanced Parkinson, and we may believe Alzheimer, and he barely talks. She said, it's so hard for me because sometimes I'm at home, and hours go by, and he won't even speak to me, and it drives me crazy. Pastor, what does that have to do with the influence that surrounds you? The people that are next to you, you may live next to you and not talk to you because you don't know what's going on in their life, but it doesn't mean something's going on in their life. Now, I want, to, I want you to hold on to that for a second because I want you to think about these circles, okay? And I want you to think about which one. You could go to the gym. You could belong to a club. You, it could be your neighbor. It could be your friend, okay? Nowadays, you know what this has become? Facebook. This is Facebook. You chat with people all over in different countries, in different, it may be Facebook, it may be Twitter, social has become, it's become a media now. And you relate to these people, you talk to these people. And they, and somebody there will cause an influence on you. You, you may, you may have, there may be a YouTube video or a YouTube channel that you watch, or there may be even a TV show that you watch that you don't realize it, and it causes a great influence in your life. Now, like it or not, agree or not, I promise you the people and the circumstance and the atmosphere that surrounds you is going to affect you. You live in the tropics like me. Fall comes around. Everybody's like, oh, man, all the leaves. And fall comes around for me. I'm like, yes, baby, yes. Why? Because after 24 years of ministry in the tropics and living there, believe me, I love winter and I love fall. I love the season change. You know, it was hot and humid all year round. And you guys are like, yeah, the beach in December. No, Puerto Ricans don't go to the beach in December. You don't do that. You have the beach there all year long, so you take it for granted. Yesterday, I went with my wife to Arby's. And when we went to Arby's, we walked into Arby's. We haven't been to Arby's. Woof, I don't even, I can't even remember the last time we walked into Arby's. Walked into Arby's, ordered the curly fries, because now they got them on special on that happy hour menu. There's a commercial for everybody. You go buy them later. It's a dollar. And we went in there, and we got the value menu. And they have this new steak fajita, whatever, and we ordered that and we sat down we're eating it 
My wife turns to me and says, isn't it funny? And I said, what? She says, when we didn't live in North Carolina and we were overseas missionaries, we would come home and the first stop we'd make, you know what it was? Arby's. She says, now we live here and we probably haven't been here in like eight, nine months. We haven't been to an Arby's. And I said, right. You know why? Because the atmosphere changes you. The lack of wants you to require it. So what I'm trying to get to, because I don't want to lose you on this. What I'm trying to get to you is, because some of you are looking at me like, oh, he's on his psychological mood of teaching. Yes, yes. That's what I did. That's what I went to school for. But I want you to understand this. I want to tell you that this, the, tell me where you're standing and what is around you. And I'm going to tell you why you are the way you are. Tell me who surrounds you, and I'll tell you why you are the way you are. I'll tell you why you get so upset. I'll tell you why you get so sad. I'll tell you why you worry so much. I'll tell you why. I will tell you who you are. All I need to do is have an inventory of the people that surround me. I'll tell you. So, so I want you to look at this. Now, now here's, here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask yourself, out of all these circles, which has the largest portion of influence in your life? Most likely, it's where you spend most of your time. I still don't get school. I still don't get it. I have a battle with school. My daughter's in public school right now, and I'm battling with my wife, but I want to pull her out. You're like, Pastor, why? I don't get it. Have you ever thought about this? Kids get sent to school eight hours a day, five days a week. That's sick. You're like, Pastor, no, it isn't. It is. Think about it. Our kids spend the majority of their life in school. Now, I know what all the teenagers are doing. I have very few in this room, but I know what they're doing. They're jotting that down to tell their mom, pastor doesn't think I should go to school. <laughs> okay, but no, my daughter gives it to my mom. My, my daughter gives it to his mom or her mom all the time. But if you really, yeah, pastor, we're educating them. Guys, I promise you it could be done in half the time it really takes to do it. I promise you it could be done in half the time. I did it with my kids, and they became college students. You could do it in half the time. School became a system where we drop our kids off so we could go off to work. And we created it equal size, equal times. What I'm saying is that our kids and we spend most of our time at work. Some of us spend more time at, with our co-workers than with our wives or our husbands. Some of us spend more time on the street than we do inside. And I want you to understand that these people cause an influence on you. See, you're at your pastor. No, I spend more time with my wife. No, 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 no. No, wait, 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 wait. You go to work, you spend eight hours at work, then you come home and you took care of the yard and you took out the garbage and you went to wash the car and you watched the TV. When you really sit down, you may spend less time with your spouse or with your kids than you do with the person that stands next to you at work. And here's what's dangerous about that Who is this person? Here's what's really dangerous about it Who is the person that stands next to you? And you may say, oh, no, a wonderful Christian, right, and what do they believe? What TV shows are you watching? What preacher are you listening to online? Think about all these things, guys, because they cause an influence on you for who you are. And which of these circles causes the biggest influence? Which of these do you call your Joe? Which of these, your pastor, what's the Joe? Remember that guy that causes the majority of influence? Because I could see them all. I could spend a lot of time at work. But how much influence do I allow my family to have on me? How much influence do I allow my in-laws to have on me? You know, I have a really good experience, and I hope it never ruins. And I hate to do it publicly. Poor people. They were just regular church members, and then their daughter married my son, and I use them as examples all the time. And I ask for their forgiveness, David and Rebecca. But I love, I love, I love my, my son's in-laws. I like those people. 
I like the Parkers. And I know I mentioned that last week, and I mention it now. And no, they don't pay me for this. But I, I like them very much. They're just good people. They raised a good daughter. And here's the thing. I never had that. My mother-in-law, she was a witch. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it's, we, we, you know, we, it, it, did you ever hear about that guy that went to Jerusalem with his mother-in-law? No? The guy went to Jerusalem with his mother-in-law and his wife, and they went, they did the whole tour, and they did the whole thing, and they went where the cross was, and they saw it, and they gave him the whole story, and they showed him everything about the tomb and Jesus Christ going in the tomb, and three days later, it was just wonderful. And then when they were done, they went to the hotel room, and his mother-in-law passed away. And when his mother-in-law passed away, the guy freaked out. And his wife says, what are we going to do? And he says, he says, honey, we got to do something. He says, what are we going to do? He says, honey, we got to do something. And, and let's go back home. And they were going to come back to North Carolina. And, but it's expensive to bring them back. And, and then they went up to the funeral home. And they said, hey, um, can you give us an idea what we could do? And the guy at the funeral home said, well, you have two options. One, you could put her in the plane and take her back home. That's going to cost you $15,000. He says, or number two, you could bury her here for 5000 and the guy said, I'm taking her home. And the guy at the funeral home said, wow, you really love your mother-in-law, don't you? He says, you crazy? I heard the last guy died here resurrected three days later. I want to keep this one on the ground. <laughs> okay, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> listen, that was me, all right? That was me. Now, listen, my mother-in-law and I get it. My mother-in-law, by the way, she's not dead. Um, but I won't bury her in Jerusalem. But anyway, listen, my mother-in-law, my mother-in-law didn't like me. We just didn't get along. We just didn't get along. She never helped me, never aided me, never went to me. To this day, to this day, to this day, I'll travel to Puerto Rico, and I, might, I have a house like down the block from her, and literally they'll dr they have to drive in front of my house to make it to their house. I will arrive there and get there. I became their pastor. They were members at my church, okay, for years, Okay, but this, this, she'll, like, I'll, I'll get there, and she'll drive by, and I could be working, and she won't stop to offer me a cup of water. There's no relationship between us, and I try. The only reason there is a relationship is because of me. We were at the table eating the other day, and my daughter, Sarah, turns to me and says, hey, Dad. I said, yep. He goes, did you have a good relationship with Grandma, um, her, her name, with Elia? And she says, do you have a good relationship with, 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 with my mother-in-law? And I said, yeah, yeah. She says, I don't think she likes you very much, <laughs> my daughter says. And I said, well, honey, I, I try. She says, yeah, that's what I see. You always try to please them. You always try to make them feel good. You always try to love them. And my wife says, that's the only reason they were church members, because he was able to minister to them. But they never liked me because I came from the poor family, and they were from the upper echelon family. They're the rich people. They're the, they were in Puerto Rico. It doesn't 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 matter here, but culturally in Puerto Rico, if you're blonde-haired and blue-eyed, you're from Spain descendants, and you're rich. And my wife comes from the Ruiz and the Hernandez. They're rich people. Me, I come from the hood. And, 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 and see, we're just, no, I'm not, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, really, really, my family is what we call, there is no hood in Puerto Rico. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just a mutt is what I am. I'm a mix of races. Okay, we have Indian and white. My mom was an Alvarez from the Spain descendants, and my dad was pure, pure Taino Indian. And when they got married, it was like she was a disgrace. She messed up the race, and I'm proof of the messed up race. And <laughs> what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, my mother-in-law, my in-laws, and I, we don't have much of a relationship, but, but we have to because of my wife. I make an extra effort, and they cause an influence in my life. 
When they come and visit us, my, my wife gets all sick. I mean, she gets her literally, we call it, we call it the monkey on her shoulders. She gets a monkey on her shoulder. And it, 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 guys, it's a serious biological situation. I'm not making it up. She gets a hump on right here. It's a big, big, gigantic hump. And it only shows up when my mother-in-law shows up. It's crazy. And it's because she gets so tense because that family, every time they talk, all they talk is negative. 90% of the words that come out of their mouth are negative. 90% of the words are negative. Oh, somebody's going to die. Oh, hurricane's coming. Oh, look, at, I, I, have a, I have a spot here. That's not a spot. That's cancer. You're going to die. You know, it's like, it's like everything. It's all the time, and it's the end of time, and it's the end of the world. And it's always, I mean, it's always, it's always so negative. It's so difficult to be around them. And, and I swallow and stay quiet, but I'm able to, I have the ability to, to hear, I have the ability to hear the worst things in the world. And you said it to me, and it affects me, and I just spit it out and keep on going. If not, I couldn't do ministry. I couldn't have done ministry 24 years later because if I, unless I had that ability. My wife does not. You tell her and she stores it up and it's eating her up for like two months. It's just driving her crazy. But they cause an influence on my life. But here, here's what I'm going at. My relatives do not cause the influence that my work does. My work has a greater influence on me. They may have 10%. They have about 40%. Okay? And I might have like a 40% on church also. And my wife causes a big influence on me. And my question to you is, what's eating at you? What's, what's chewing up at you? What's hurting your family? What's bothering you? What's wrong with your marriage? What's wrong with your finances? Tell me who's around you. Tell me who surrounds you, and I'll tell you why you're there. Even on finances. I'll tell you why your finances are the way they are. It's because one of these circles is bigger than the other. And I want, I want you to hear about one circle, that I, two circles maybe, if I have enough time. No, actually one circle that, that, that I'm gonna t I want to talk about. I want to talk about two of these. I want to talk about your social community friends, and I want to talk about church because they fall more or less into the same category. In the book of Psalms, chapter 23, verse 5, David says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. He says, Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. He says, Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. He says, God, you're going to bless me. God, it's going to be good. Um, hey, Mike, what's that song? Um... um Oh, man, I'm thinking of it. You guys sang it in Young United the other day. Uh, it is well. It is well. I can't sing, guys. I'm sorry. Okay. Mike, see if you could play a little bit of that song for a second. And, 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 and just, I want you guys, you guys may know this song. It's an old hymn, actually. It's an old hymn. It's sang in multiple languages. It's just made a modern song this way, I believe, right? Because it, it is an old hymn, isn't it? Okay. Yeah. And well, how does it go? Sing a little bit of it because I can't sing it.
playing that same song, Mike. You know, in Psalm 23, David's saying, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. He's saying, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. I've fallen and I sinned, but it's going to be okay. I felt rejected, but it's going to be okay. I've been through tough times and it's going to be okay. I may be hurting financially and it's going to be okay. I committed sin and it's going to be okay. David's at the end of his life. He's about to die. It's a senior citizen full of wisdom speaking to us and he's about to die and he writes Psalm 23 and you know he's old because of the way he's writing. He's talking about, he's an old king and he's talking about when he was a young man. He's talking about when he was a shepherd out in the field. That's how Psalm 23 starts. He says, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not need. He says he's going to pour anointing on my head. He says it's going to be okay. And he's about to finish this great sermon. He's about to finish this great teaching. And this is how he ends it. He ends his great teaching saying at the end, it is well, it is well. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. It's going to be okay. And look how he finishes. Because I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Man, oh man, what a teaching. David saying, I'm an old man. My son Absalom, I'm not going to be able to teach about that. But his son Absalom had turned against him. His own son had turned against him. Has anybody turned against you recently? Maybe it's yourself. Come on, maybe it's somebody that surrounds you. But they turned against you. You know, that's how he felt. He felt that these five circles, they were there. And maybe at work they had failed. Maybe relatives had failed. Maybe it was social life. Maybe a girlfriend had left it. I don't know what it is, but whatever it is in your life, somebody may have failed you. Somebody may have let you down this weekend. Somebody may have turned away. Somebody may have fed negativity into you. Maybe you're discouraged about where you have to go tomorrow. But he would say, it is well. And he he did just say this, it is well, surely they're going to go with me and I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I am going to dwell in the house of the Lord. He was saying when all my circles are messed up, there's one circle that's important to me and it's my church. He said when all my circles messed up, there's one that's important to me, it's my church. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11 verse 29, I'm going to read from 28. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. He says, come to me, and I will give you rest. Jesus says, no matter what you go through, come to me, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke. Look look what he says. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. He's saying, tie up with me. Verse 29 says, take my yoke. He's saying, I have a yoke on my shoulder. It's what they used to put on oxen to keep them together. He's saying, hey, why don't you come and line up with me? Why don't you, why don't you come and tag in with me? Why don't you, God is Jesus saying, why don't you become a teammate with me and learn from me? For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is saying in his word, he's saying, listen, when you have a whole bunch of circles and they're all out there, stop for a second because there's one circle, there's one Gilgal. Pastor, what's Gilgal? Oh, I wish I had time to tell you. 
Gilgal is the land when Joshua was conquering the land. He comes in, he comes in with Moses, and I can't teach you all about it now, but they cross the Jordan, and when they cross the Jordan, they go into Jericho, and they fight this battle, and they're, they're, they're not soldiers, they're farmers, and they're fighting the first battle, and they're conquering the land, and the wall will fall down, and they, they go in, and they defeat, and then they're freaking out. They can't believe they actually won, and they take rocks and build this up, this monument, and they call it Gilgal. And what happens after that is what they do. The next day, the next week, they go out to the next battle and they fight the next battle in their next circle. And when they're done, instead of celebrating, it was a bigger city. And instead of celebrating, they drop everything. They come back to Gilgal at night. And they would, they would rest. It was their resting place. They would worship God there. And they would go out and they would fight the next battle. And they, guys, they conquered the whole gang. Listen, they conquered the whole land of Canaan. They won victory after victory after victory. And every single time they would come back to Gilgal, they would say, it is well. It is well. And they would come back to the house of the Lord and stand there and say, thank you, God. Their Gilgal was their house. Now, I don't know what church has become in your life, but church to me is important because church is the place where I go back to the Father's house. And I say, God, I took care of my house. Now I'm coming to your house. What causes a big influence in your life? Listen, whoever it is, make sure it's God-filled. Make sure it's Spirit-filled. Because if it's not Spirit-filled, here's the problem you have. The problem is you're going to be in church miserable. You're going to be living your life miserable. You're going to be upset. God called you to something greater than what you're living now. And the only way you can get there is making sure you have the right Gilgal. Making sure you, make sure that in those circles, put those circles back up for me, Bali. Make sure that in those circles, do like David did. What did David do? David made sure that out of all his circles, there was one circle, which was the bar largest. See, David had this order. He had his family, and he had his church in that same order. He had his God first. But David understood he wanted to dwell in the house of the Lord. David wanted that yoke. He wanted that closeness to God because he needed it. Pastor, what are you saying? Listen, guys, this is what I'm saying. I am telling you, listen, I'm going to finish. Listen to this last, listen to this last, last sentence. It's the most important of everything you're learning. You're going to get beat up. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get, you're going to get, you're going to get discouraged. A lot of things are going to happen to you. And it's so awesome to have a place to go right back to every Sunday and sit there and say, God, you cause an influence on my life. Does church make you a better Christian? I heard for many years people tell me, no, church doesn't make me a better Christian. discouraged, of course we will. We'll go through tough times. You should walk into this building. My greatest desire is that you walk in here. My daughter asked me, Dad, what do you want for Christmas? Dad, what do you want for Christmas? She asked me. Put up the stockings. There's no stocking for you. What do you want for Christmas? I want to get your gift. She's been saving her money to switch her iPad out. And, she, and she's thinking about not using it and buying me a gift. I said, honey, I want one thing. She said, what is it? Said, I want to see the house of the Lord full of His Spirit. And I want to see it full of she looked at me, she said, well, come on, you got to want something else more than that. And I said, no, that's the number one on my list. Next month, we go into a series called Help is on the Way. And as we go into this series called Help is on the Way, I'm going to teach you how Mary, a little, possibly 12, maybe 16 at most, girl, ends up one day hearing God say, you're pregnant and she hasn't had sex. She's freaking out. She's got to tell her husband, her future.
future husband or fiance. Hey, I know we're getting married, but uh, I want to tell you something. I'm pregnant. He's got to chill out and stay in there. She's got to birth the boy in a barn. Help showed up. I want to talk about help showing up. How you can be the help. How God is going to help you. And I want to show you one of the circles of your influence. My church. So my last word of counsel for you is this. As we go into December, prepare your hearts because somebody out there needs help. And God wants to use you. Bringing them in. So they can have a place just like you. Where you could breathe and say, man. God.